Welcome to the Emmanuel Church Podcast. Here at Emmanuel Church, we believe that God wants to meet us where we're at. So whether you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can listen to the message from our Sunday worship experience. We would love for you to stay connected with us by visiting our website at myemmanuelchurch.com or at any social media platform at myemmanuelchurch. We hope you enjoy this message. We are continuing our series um, with uh, week three of Q&A with Jesus. And today is Palm Sunday. And I, I remember last week I mentioned about bringing palms. I could not find palm trees. Anybody find palm trees? We can go s- grab some palms, leaves now. Palm Sunday is a special day and it's st- the start of Holy Week. Next week is Easter, uh, Easter Sunday. And what we are going to be doing uh, is we're we're going to be making available a time next Sunday for uh, families with kids to come by. And we'll have some Easter baskets prepared for them. Uh, you can just come by, pick it up, um, and uh, enjoy Easter. Even though we might not be able to do what we planned and we wanted to have an Easter icon or everything. But that doesn't stop us from celebrating and having a good time. So we are going to be uh, online streaming for Easter next week. We have some stuff prepared for you this week uh, as we go through Holy Week. Um, so... Uh, pay attention to what we're announcing online and if you don't follow us already follow us and subscribe to the youtube channel so that you can know what we're doing and how we can serve you so are y'all excited y'all excited for easter i mean it's weird but i'm excited we'll see what god can do because god is amazing so Today, we are reading in John chapter 8, verses 2 through 11. And the question that Jesus asks asks today, he asked to a woman in particular who had was brought before him. And and it's the title of my message. It's, has no one condemned you? Has no one condemned you? You know, we don't like, we don't like, you know, people finding out our, our, our dirty laundry or airing our dirty laundry so to speak like if we make a mistake or if there's something like we we'd rather keep it secret you know we'd rather not people know our faults our our issues our problems you know we don't want people to know that I, i've seen a lot of uh videos as of recent of like and one of my favorites of you know kids 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 are like that they they deny, either they deny, flat out deny, despite all the evidence to the contrary that they did something wrong. Or, you know, they like get scared, you know, that they've been caught in the act, so to speak. That, that's how my cats are. You know, my cats, and, and I, we have two cats and a dog at home and they're like that. They, they, anytime we catch them doing something wrong, they immediately run away. Like that's what they do. It's like, it's like, hey, what are you doing? Run off to another part of the house. Like, cause they know. They know. And kids, they intrinsically know this too. And I remember this one video in particular where this little girl had, I I think it was lipstick or something. And she had painted it all over her face. And it was just obvious that she had done it. Like, it was obvious. And her mom's like, what did you do? What are you talking about? Blue all over her face. And she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Did you do something? No. I see lipstick on your face. There's no... What lipstick? What are you talking about? Like flat out just denying that she had done anything wrong. And that's how we are. We, we don't like uh, our dirty laundry being aired. 
You know, I've grown up in a Pentecostal church where we have people from time to time, they'll go up or, or, or we call, uh, or we also have prophets, people we call prophets and they speak over people's lives and they know things that they shouldn't know. And that seems scary, but it's God speaking to us. And they do stuff like that sometimes too. I've seen people like be called out for stuff and they're trying to leave the church, trying to walk out of the church. Like, that's not me. That's not me. And then I remember one time in particular, a pastor told me a story of how uh, there was a man who was doing that. He was speaking over people's lives. He was speaking into their lives. And he kept calling one name. And that guy wasn't going up. Someone wasn't, whoever was, wasn't going up. And he's like, and your social security number is? And he starts like, he says those two first two numbers. That man immediately ran up to the front. And he's like, no, 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 don't do that. I don't know, you know. God knows everything. But we don't like stuff. We don't like being exposed. We don't like being exposed to the outside world. And the story that I want to share with you today in John chapter 8, that's exactly what's happening here. There is a woman that was brought before Jesus and she was being exposed for the sin in her life. And the question that Jesus asks her is filled with so much compassion, so much grace. And we get to see a picture And this is why I love the Bible, because in these stories, we get to see ourselves. We get to see, and we see other people. Of course, you know, that's immediately the first thing we think. It's like, oh, you know, I know who needs this Bible verse. You ever thought of that when you're here in the preaching? It's like, hey, don't lie. I've done it before, too. It's like, oh, you know who could benefit from this? And you think of someone. But Jesus doesn't do that in this story. In fact, he gives us a picture of ourselves in many in a few different formats that we can understand how we can actually uh, experience the love and grace of Jesus in a way we've never done before. And that's that's key to Holy Week this week. That's key. As we talk about Jesus and we, we get ready to celebrate Good Friday this Friday when Jesus gave his life up on the cross and when he resurrected on Sunday morning, when he came back to change the world forever, this is key for us to know. So let's let's um let's get into the word this morning. In John chapter 8 verses 2 through 11, that's where we're at. And it says, "At dawn he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people had gathered around him, and he sat them down to teach. The teachers of the law and Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and Jesus and said to Jesus, "Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery." In the law of Moses, the law of Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis of accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. He just ignores them. He's just like, whatever, you know, I'm not paying attention to you. I'm going to write in the ground. We don't know what he was writing. But then he says, when they kept questioning him, they kept pressing it. And he straightened up and said to them, let one of you, any one of you who is without sin, be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stood down, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard him began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. He straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you no one sir she said then neither do i condemn you jesus declared go now and leave your life of sin so 
we have a couple of groups of people. We have two groups of people in this. We have the accusers and we have the accused. And then, of course, we have Jesus. You know, Jesus is writing in the ground. I don't know what he was writing. I'm really curious. Like, I, every time I read this story and every time I preach about this story, I'm just like, what was Jesus writing? Like, some people thought, I know that I've, I've heard all kinds of speculations. They thought Jesus was writing the Ten Commandments in the ground, or Jesus started exposing them, writing their names, and started writing their sin in the ground. I don't think he was doing that. But, you know, who knows? He was just writing in the ground, or maybe he was just doodling, you know? Have you ever doodle in class or anything like that? You just start writing little pictures and drawing things and whatever comes to mind. And who knows what he was doing, but we have this picture in this story. Sorry, that was like a tangent. But we have this picture, and this story is so interesting because we have the accusers, first of all. We have the group of people that come to Jesus and expose this woman. They expose the woman for her sin. And they tell him exactly what the law says, as if Jesus doesn't know the law. Like, they, they, they're trying to trick him. They're trying to trap him. And that's their intent. That's their intent behind this. They don't really care about the woman. They don't care. They don't even really care about the sin. And really, you can see that because it takes two to tango, as they say. And there should have been a man they also brought who was also caught in the act of adultery and thrown before Jesus along with the woman. But but it wasn't. In other words, they probably tricked this woman, trapped her in this circumstance and tried to expose her in front of Jesus. So these accusers, they are not innocent themselves. They've got something going on in their own lives, things that they've done, things that they don't want people to know. And then we have the woman. She is the accused. She's been accused by this group of people, and she is sitting there exposed. We don't even know, like, what state she's in, because the Bible tells us she was caught in the act, and when they caught her, they brought her. So she might not have even been properly covered or anything, yet she was here sitting exposed before all of these people. And they were ready to stone her. They were ready to stone her. And they bring her before Jesus. So let's talk about these groups. So accusers, we have the accusers. The accusers, they like to accuse people. Like, you know, do you know anyone like that? Does anybody know anyone like that? Like, they, they just don't stop. Like, oh, did you hear what so-and-so did? Like, oh, man, <sighs> the cheese man. I mean, the gossip, it's real. Like, it, it's just everywhere. Like, everything is drama to them. Oh, I heard so-and-so was doing this. Oh, man, they were over here last night. Oh, I saw them in the club. How did you see them in the club? <laughs> you know? Like, okay, I heard they were in the club. How do you know this? Who do you know that was there or were you there? Because that's that. That's what I'm asking. But accusers. Accusers often accuse people because they have issues in their own life that they're not satisfied with. They have sin in their own life that they're wrestling with. So instead of trying to make things right with themselves, they try to make themselves look better. So they accuse people. They, they say, oh, look at this person. I... I'm not going to say any names, but I've run into many situations like that as a pastor where, where I've confronted people about things that are going on in their life and grace, you know, I'm worried about them. I'm their pastor, you know, man, you know, I want to address this because I've heard so-and-so saying this. And then immediately their response is, well, you don't know about this person. You don't know about that person. I'm like, I 
I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about you right now. Why is it that, and, but we do that. We, we like to do that. We like to point fingers, even in the very beginning, and I'm going to be re- referencing the story of Adam and Eve a lot today too. Even in the very beginning, that was the first thing that happened. Eve is, is tempted by the serpent. And, and the story goes that Eve is tempted by the serpent. She eats this fruit and she gives it to Adam. And Adam just goes along with it. And then when God confronts them, the first thing Adam says is, The woman you gave me. And then he confronts Eve. Eve, what is going on here? He said, well, the serpent that you made, they're like trying to put blame on God. They keep put, trying to put blame on God and they, they're pointing fingers at other people. All we do when we do that is we incriminate ourselves. We draw more attention to ourselves, really. You know, when I was growing up, they, always, I was t- they would always tell me, don't point. Don't point to accuse people or anything like that because when you do, you have three fingers pointing back at you. It's like, you know, you point and three fingers are pointing back at you. All you do is draw attention to yourself. You're just drawing attention to yourself. You're drawing attention to the fact that there is unresolved sin, unresolved issues, unresolved worries, unresolved struggles in your own life. And you try to make yourself seem better, like I am the more righteous one. I am the better person here. I mean, I think that's like the the basis of like all gossip. It's like things happen. It's like, oh, you know, did you hear that? Well, I would never. But Christians try to be slick and they try and throw it during prayer. It's like, oh, well, pray for this person because I heard they're living in sin. It's like, oh, okay. Uh, How about you pray for yourself? Because there's something going on there. And it's we don't like it. We don't like it. And, you know, if anybody's watching this and listening to this later, you know, I'm sorry if you've ever been accused by anybody in the church because that often happens. This group of people, the accusers, the thing about them is, is they were the religious people. They were the ones that knew the law. They were the ones that would call themselves Christians today. And they were the first ones to start pointing fingers. They were like, look at this. Look at this sin. And isn't that the truth? I think a lot of times I meet Christians that they do exactly like, exactly that. All they do is online is yell at people for all the sin that they're doing, that they're living in. All they do is is point out the flaws of everybody they meet. And if you have ever experienced that, if you are a Christian and you have experienced, I've experienced it. I'm a pastor's kid. And so everything I do is possibly wrong. You know, Nathan is also a pastor's kid. He knows that. Like, they they expose us. They want to expose us. I say, I can't believe, you know, so-and-so did that. Did you see what the pastor's son did? You know, that's what they do. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And I just want you to know that that is not Jesus. That's not Jesus. So we have the accused, too. The woman in this story. And here she is. She doesn't even have a voice. And oftentimes that's what happens. Those that are receiving in, they don't want, they don't have anything to say because they realize the situation they're in. This woman couldn't say anything. She was exposed. Her shame was out there. Her guilt was out there. Her her sin was out there before everyone. She couldn't, she couldn't even defend herself because she couldn't, well, you know, there was, there was a guy. Why didn't they bring the guy? She could have said something like that, but she didn't because she knew well, they're not wrong. Here I am, caught in my sin. 
so what do I do? Sin does that to us. When we, when we find ourselves in the place of the accused, sin does that to us. It exposes us. It breaks relationships. Because obviously, she, there was relationships broken here. There might have been people in the crowd who knew her that thought to themselves, I never would have imagined that she would have done that. And it breaks relationships. It breaks relationships with people. It breaks relationships with God. It breaks relationships with ourselves. We, we break our own relationships. Sin cuts off our view of who we really are. And all we can see is our mistakes and our sin, our struggles and our problems, our faults, our mistakes. That's all we can see. And in that moment, that woman is was just like us when we fall into sin, when we sin, when we, we make, make mistakes. We're that before God. God, I've failed you. I'm all too familiar with that feeling, you know. It, it, it's a common struggle. Even one of the people that we consider one of the greatest uh, writers of uh, one of the writers of the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, like one of the greatest church fathers, he wrote like two thirds of the New Testament, and yet he tells us in a scripture, he says, "When I." know what I'm supposed to do. I don't end up doing it. And the things that I don't want to do, the things that are wrong, the things that are sin, I end up doing that. Even he struggled. And so his sin is exposed, exposes him to God in the garden, in the Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve. An interesting part of the story is it tells us that when Adam and Eve ate of the fruit, both of their eyes were open and they realized they were naked. See, they had been naked the whole time. Like, that was paradise. There was no reason for them to be hidden. It was just them. There was no one else. There's just them and God. And they were, they, they didn't feel shame. They didn't feel guilt. But in the moment that they ate of the fruit of the knowledge of tr- truth and e- of good and evil, they felt exposed. And I always thought that was interesting. And I remember reading that Hebrew scholars tell us that the reason why they didn't feel shame before is because they were clothed not in typical clothes they weren't having leaves or anything because the bible tells us later they covered themselves up with leaves and they hid from god but that they were clothed in the glory of god in his presence and his his love they were covered by that and what sin did is it broke that away from them and exposed the shame of life uh, of their life choices they wanted to take things into their own hands and god saw it and so they saw it it exposed them that's what happens when we're in place of the accused but see i've always taught this story from the perspective that like man look how god's grace is for this woman because jesus stands up and says then he tells everybody if you have never sinned then go ahead cast the first stone rightfully the only person that it was in that situation that could have done that was jesus himself but instead of picking up a rock or anything he just stooped down in the ground and started writing again jesus was being weird (laughs) but that's all he did he didn't throw a stone he could have but then the story tells us that slowly starting with the older ones first 
realize that the situation that they were in. They realize that they have exposed themselves to the truth of their intentions, the truth of their actions and the sin in their lives, and they started to walk away, realizing, you know, I am not without sin in this situation. I'm in the wrong here too. And so they walked away. They left little by little until it was only Jesus and the woman. And she said, Does, has no one condemned you? She said, no one. She says, good. Neither do I. Go and leave your life of sin. And I love the story because of the grace that Jesus offers to the woman. Because in the face of sin that is exposed, God knows the sin. God knows the mistakes that you and I make. God knows the troubles and the worries that we go through, the struggles that we fight with, the faults that we have. He knows all of that already. Yet he chooses to see us and tells us still that neither have I condemned you. Go and leave your life of sin. And that's, what, that's where I usually stop there. But I, I was reading this story as I was preparing this message and I realized Jesus also offered grace to the ones who were ready to throw the stones. Like I've never thought about it before, but he did. In that moment, he told them, okay, you have a choice here. Are you going to give yourself a second chance? No one here is perfect. He didn't say, hey, did those group of sinners not condemn you? He didn't say, hey, did those wrongdoers not condemn you? Jesus wasn't afraid of doing that. He did a lot, in fact. You know, there's a lot of stories in the Bible. There's there's two stories where Jesus cleared the temple out. One, One time in particular, he made a whip. He made a whip and he drove people out of the temple. There was one time in particular, I remember he called, like basically to their faces, he called he called the Pharisees uh, hypocrites. He called them whitewashed tombs, you're dead men on the inside, but beautiful on the outside. He was not afraid of confrontation, but in this moment, he didn't do that. He didn't tell the people that were accusing this woman, you are horrible people. He gave them grace, and he gave this woman grace. And I think... That's so beautiful because we can find ourselves in either of those situations. Sometimes we're the people that are judgmental. We're being judgmental. We're being hard on people. We're doing things that we should not be doing. We're not demonstrating the love of Jesus when we do that. And sometimes we're the ones that are exposed in our sin, in our problems, in our struggles. And God offers us grace. Grace is something that we don't deserve. By definition, grace is getting something that we do not deserve. You know, the love of God is like that. Human love is very conditional. You know, human love is based on what I can do for you and you can do for me. That's basically what it is. Oftentimes it's a transaction. You know, I'm not saying all relationships are like that. Human love has the possibility of the fact that you have nothing to offer me. I give you my love. Despite the fact that you have nothing that you can do that can make up for what you've done wrong, I give my love to you. 
You see, that's what this whole week is about. As Jesus went through this week, and I, I'm going to share some stuff during this week online about it. He, he was with his disciples and he showed them grace. And the Last Supper, even though someone, one of his disciples betrayed him, he still washed his feet and told them, you are my friends. He called them his friends, even though he knew someone was about to betray him. And on the night he was betrayed, all of his disciples took tail and run. They ran away. They hid from Jesus. They, they just abandoned him. And yet he still loved them and prayed for them. And for the people that were, while Jesus was on the cross, he was crucified for our sins. In that moment, he took all of our sin on himself. And the people that were crucifying him, he prayed, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. They didn't deserve that. We don't deserve that. But yet he still reached out to them and showed them the love that they needed. Because that God knows that we need his love. His love is the thing that changes everything for us. It changes everything for for. for for, there's so much we don't even understand what it changes. His love steps in and gives us grace. It covers sin. It covers worry. It covers uh, our weaknesses. He steps in and does things when no one else can. He's the one that, that rescues us when we're lost in the darkness and wandering around in life, not knowing what to do, worrying about what's going to happen next. He exposes the darkness to light. clothes us in his love and grace. He even prepared that for Adam and Eve too. He gave them consequences for what they did, but then he told them, look, there is coming one who will defeat the serpent, one who will defeat sin, one who will change the way things are done. You don't have to worry about it anymore because he is coming and his name is Jesus. Just like Jesus. It's just like Jesus to offer grace to those who are unworthy of it. And he loves us. He loves us too. So as I close out this afternoon, I want you to know this week, we talk about Jesus, and Jesus is the center focus. So remember, he is that. He's the one who rescues you. He's the one that rescues us. So many of us, I know, have stories where we have messed up royally. And God has took us, changed us, and we're here now. We're here now, and, and he has given us a second chance. And if you're watching today, I want you to know that Jesus has given you a second chance. You don't have to leave things as it is. He has given you a second chance today. He's extending his hand. He is telling you today, has no one condemned you? Neither have I. And he's given you a second chance to start over today. So we're going to pray today. We're going to pray that God would give us a second chance. Because we all need a second chance. I mean, let's be real. No matter who we are. Now, I need a second chance every day. We all need second chances. 
And here is our opportunity. So I'm going to pray two things. I'm going to pray that those of us who already have made a decision to follow Jesus and we follow God today. I want us, I want to pray for us to be able to ask for forgiveness. That we not be the accusers anymore. That we be more like Jesus. And extend grace to those who are in need of grace. And I'm going to pray for those who are realizing that they need something different in their lives. And I'm here to tell you, Jesus is extending his hand to you. So if you need that, if you need Jesus today, that's the first thing we're going to pray for. I want you to, you know, I mean, you can tell us in the chat if you've made a decision today, or you can go to mymanualchurch.com slash I have decided. But I want you to know that we're going to pray for you. And so we're going to pray for you right now. It's really simple, really easy. It doesn't take a lot of effort because he's already waiting for you. We're going to pray for you and you just have to pray along with us this prayer. He says, Jesus, I need a second chance. Here I am. I give you my life. And if anyone makes that prayer in this moment, Lord, we pray that they be surrounded by love and grace and hope in this moment. And we want to reach out to them. Even if we can't reach out to them physically right now, we pray for them. We pray for them in their homes or at work or wherever they're listening and watching to us, God, that they would be able to experience a new version of themselves, a second chance today. The grace that you have given them, the love that you have shown them today right now and we pray that as they begin this journey that they would be able to that we would be able to surround them in love and encouragement to take new steps of faith to move forward in this new life today amen and for those of us who have followed you god let us if we have ever been the accusers forgive us help us to be more like you today jesus help us to reach out to people not in judgment but in love not in not in hatred but in grace to those that we might not agree with or whatever put all of that aside for a moment and to look at them not as sinful people but look at them as you would look at them a child of god loved and in need of love. We pray that we and we give that to you, Lord. Let, let us be that. Instead of arguing with people online, instead of fighting, instead of trying to prove people wrong, let's just extend grace in this moment. We hope you enjoyed the message today. And we would love to hear the story about how God is using this ministry to change your life. You can share it with us at myemmanuelchurch.com slash mystory. And if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can give online at myemmanuelchurch.com slash give. And if you're in the Houston area, we would love to see you on Sundays at 1130 a.m. Have a blessed week.